The Football Show on Off The Ball. With Sky. Watch Premier League, Women's Super League, EFL, Scottish Premiership and much more. Live on Sky Sports. I'm prepared to end it if I can. Well, do, it then. do it then. What about your start to the game? I was, it wasn't bad, was it? <laughs> Why should there be an honest answer be a mistake? How can a modern day manager not have a mobile phone? Why should he? It is Thursday's football show and Leeds United fans, I know you're worried, I know you're a little bit down, a little bit concerned about what's going on with your club and inside the relegation zone with just a couple of games left in the Premier League season. We're going to cheer you up this evening because John Giles is coming up on the football show a little bit later than usual, but he's also going to be joined by his great friend and another Leeds United legend, Eddie Gray, because it is 50 years ago this week since Leeds United won the FA Cup for the one and only time, a 1-0 victory against Arsenal. We're going to be reminiscing on that in just a little while. That was a bad day for Arsenal. This is a bad night for Arsenal because they're 3-0 down at Tottenham in the North London derby midway through the second half. It's been one of those nights for Arsenal. It's all gone horribly, horribly wrong. Remember, they came into this game four points clear of Spurs in that battle for the final Champions League place. Uh, Spurs were awarded an early penalty. Cedric with a little nudge on the back of Hyungmin Son. That was tucked away by Harry Kane. Then it got even worse for Arsenal. Rob Holding sent off second bookable offence. He blocked the run of Hyungmin Son. A little bit of an elbow in there as well. Got a lot of an elbow in there as well. And Holding was sent off and then a couple of minutes after that Harry Kane scored his second from close range and it's got even worse for Leeds in uh, for Leeds for Arsenal in this second half Uh, Harry Kane at this time turning provider for Hyungmin Son who scored his first goal of this game he's now just one behind Mo Salah in the race for the golden boot Hyungmin Son so Spurs leading Arsenal by three goals to nil and there will be just a point in it heading into the final two games of the season. As Spurs play Burnley at midday on Sunday, while Arsenal's next game is away against Newcastle. And then on the final day of the season, Arsenal at home against Everton. And it could be particularly interesting if Everton are still in that relegation scrap, while Spurs finish up away at Norwich, which is a bit of a walkover at the moment. So it is going to go right down to the wire. But this is a huge setback for Arsenal. Lots of football coming up and off the ball over the weekend. Tomorrow night, we're going to have League of Ireland late night biggest night of the season so far top of the table clash at Tala between Shamrock Rovers and Derry City we'll have all the reaction and we want your calls on League of Ireland late night from 10 o'clock on Twitter Spaces with myself Johnny and Shane a build up to the FA Cup final on Saturday with John and the lads and then on Sunday two live matches uh, first up at 2 o'clock it is West Ham against Manchester City where City can really all but clinch the title if they can go and win at the London Stadium and then at half past four big relegation scrap for Everton at home against Brentford. Uh, John Childs is on the line. Evening, John. Evening, Nathan. You were having a little bit of a get-together today to celebrate the 50th anniversary. Good to see everybody. Yeah. Well, we had a weekend of it, Nathan. Actually. What? I was up in Leeds on Friday. We had a do on Saturday, do on Sunday, and another little do today. So we're making the most ah, very of the good. 50 years, Nathan. Brilliant, brilliant. <laughs> Uh, it's obviously been a, a tough couple of years for, for that team and I know you'd had, had a meet-up just before COVID uh, so great for everyone to get back together and, and to see so much of each other over the last few days plenty to chat about Oh yeah, well we don't see, see each other very often as you know Nathan, I'm in Birmingham Eddie and a few of the lads are still around the, the Leeds area uh, So and, and with the virus situation in the last couple of years mm. there hasn't been much of a get-together but uh, we're making up for it now this week 
Well, that's good. And we're going to be joined by Eddie Gray, who's uh, I'm sure was uh, front and centre and a big part of it as well. He's going to join us in about 20 minutes to uh, look back on that FA Cup final. Uh, I hope none of you ran into Jesse Marsh, but I'd imagine his ears were burning over the last week when you were talking about what's going on with Leeds at the moment. Well, it's not good. Uh, uh, as we know, Nathan, poor result the other night uh, against Chelsea. Mm. Uh, totally outplayed uh, and in the relegation zone now. So it's tough times for Leeds at the moment and their supporters. There's no doubt about that. There is a lot going on with Leeds when you watch them. So clearly they're struggling for form and they're in a relegation scrap and all the pressure and stress that that brings. But they seem to have totally lost their discipline. Like, Ailing's red card for such a, a brilliant player since they got into the Premier League or even over the last few seasons to be so reckless with that challenge against Arsenal so early in the game when his team needed him and then Dan James with a really vicious tackle on Kovacic for Chelsea when you see that sort of indiscipline is that a is that a, a really concerning sign in terms of trying to turn it around over the last couple of games well very very much so Nathan you know you're down to 10 men uh and both of them in the first half of the game. And I mean, the one against Arsenal was was outrageous. I mean, he, he, he's, and he's a very, very good player, as we know. One of the best players for Leeds. And I've never seen him do anything like that before. Mm. So maybe the pressure is getting to them. And, 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 and we saw the other night, too, uh, a very bad tackle by James. Well, James is inclined to, to do bad tackles down again. But this was a really bad one. Uh but it was the response as well from the touchline, where they, they, you know against Ailing and and James, uh, you know Jesse Marsh was looking to see why they were sent off. <laughs> now there was no doubt that they were going to be sent off because they were too bad tackles. So it, it's just what they didn't need in tight matches, uh, like the sorry the important matches that they've got at the moment. Nathan did definitely. He got some important wins early in his time at Leeds and obviously had a lot to say about those victories and how they came about and the changes to the style of football, to the workload on the training pitch that basically the players were shattered. Uh, Since those words were uttered by Jesse Marsh and the implied criticism of Marcelo Bielsa, it's all gone horribly wrong and they're conceding an enormous amount of goals you know, three against Leeds or three against Chelsea, two in right at the start of the game against Arsenal, following on from the four against Manchester City. Probably uh, should have kept quiet for a little bit longer. Well, I think the best thing in any situation is to keep quiet and and, and do your talking. Then when you, when you, when you've you've done your stuff in a big big way, I know there was a bit. He had an article in the paper about you know people that uh, inspired him, mm. uh, Mahatma Gandhi and. John F. Kennedy and Muhammad Ali, Michael Jordan, you know, this is, this is that he intended to, to uh, use for inspirational purposes before matches, uh, Nathan, you know, and he didn't get a good response for that in the papers the other day. Uh, and, and uh, you know, in my take on it in this situation, the manager is the inspirational force, putting things right, getting things done properly in all the various ways. So uh, I don't think it was the wisest thing at this particular stage, well, any stage, uh, to make the comments he made about the, 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 that he was going to use for inspirational purposes before the match. And I think that the, the leadership comes, comes from the manager, his knowledge of the game, what he wants from the players, and, and his, his actual approach from it. So, um, and that was before the match, I think, the other day. Mm. Uh, and it didn't go down very well, I don't think. If there's one thing that can maybe give Leeds fans a bit of confidence it's the fixture list so 
final home game at Ellen Road on Sunday. They're at home against Brighton and then they go to Brentford on the final day. Now, two good teams have been massively impressive, but two teams with nothing to play for, which I guess is exactly what you want. Is there any way you see Leeds been able to somehow get it together to be able to keep their discipline, their shape, to pull out a result over those couple of matches, to pull out a victory, which they probably need at least one from those two matches to stay up? I, ho- I hope so, Nathan. And at the same time, we're hoping that Burnley, you know, Burnley are in big trouble as well. Mm. They've got a couple of tough matches. So, uh, you know, these could be dependent on Burnley not doing so well rather than what they're going to do for themselves. Obviously, I think the approach would be, would be that they're going to do it, do it on their own. Uh, but it's, it's a big ask at this particular stage of the season. They say Brighton, isn't it Brighton? Yeah, Brighton and then Brentford. Brentford. But both of those have been going okay, Nathan. And, and I don't think it matters with teams because they're safe. They're not going to have a go. I'd, I'd be surprised at that. So, so the, it, the, both of them are, are huge matches for Leeds. And from as far as I'm concerned, it's fingers crossed that they do it. Nathan, I'd, love, I'd love to see them stay up because uh, the, the support from, the, from the, the crowd is is fantastic. Even the other night against Chelsea, when they were having a bad time, they, they didn't turn on the team. They didn't turn against them. They were they were singing and trying to support them right to the end. So as far as the lead support is concerned, I, I hope they stay up uh, in and do well in the next couple of matches that they have. The league title, is it done after Manchester City's performances over the last four days? Well, it's gone. It's gone a long way towards it. Nathan. Mm. They put themselves in the driving seat. I think if they win one one match between the two, then they, they have to win it. Uh, I, I I I think they made a, a terrific recovery from getting the, the surprise beaten in Madrid. You know, it shows the spirit is right, the manager's right in doing what they did. You know, two big wins in the in the couple of matches since then, and uh, they're certainly odds on to mm. do it. I think it would take a big crash for them not to go through in the two matches and, and, and clinch the title. Uh, De Bruyne was sensational uh, last night. Four goals. It, it makes it all the more surprising that Guardiola brought him off against Madrid with 15, 20 minutes to go. That this player who is meant to be so pivotal for everything, their best player, it, it, like it's, it was obvious at the time, but in hindsight, was that a massive mistake from Guardiola taking him off the pitch that night? I, I, I don't think that was at fault. Uh, at fault there and I don't think he was playing well that night mm. I mean he's a terrific player Nathan, and he had a great day yesterday but he's not my favourite all the time I must be honest I mean he had a terrific game yesterday and he scored the goals and he's brilliant at that but there's times uh, there was once or twice in the Madrid match uh, Nathan, at, a, at a time when it was vital they were up against it wasn't chasing back like he should be chasing back those are all the things that I'm looking for in a, in a player he's, he's terrific ability but not always for the team, in my opinion. Yesterday, he was fantastic uh, and scored the goals. And, he's, and he is a brilliant goal scorer mm. and he's got brilliant ability. But I'd like to see him given more for the team at times rather than for himself. But he came good. He certainly came good yesterday. That's yeah. for sure. He has a brilliant ability uh, with the ball at yes. his feet, strength, uh, while yes. running with the ball to be able to hold players off. Yes. Yes, he has that, Nathan. But when you look at the position that he plays, you say, well, where is he actually playing? Like, he's not a midfield general. Mm. He plays sort of right side of midfield going forward. So he's actually a goal-scoring player really coming from midfield. And, and which is, at the best, at his best, he's absolutely brilliant. 
and uh, I, I don't want to appear to be too harsh on him. I'm not. I think he's a terrific player at what he does most of the time. But I'd just like to see a little bit more for the team at times when they need a bit of work rate rather than his, than his brilliance. Because that's just as important at times as scoring the goals. Mm. Not quite, but nearly. Uh, it's pretty frightening for the rest of the Premier League when you look at the points total City are going to get towards the amount of goals they've scored and they've signed Erling Haaland you know, with Mbappe probably the best young talent in European football right now already we have to wait and see what Liverpool do and uh, Arsenal and Spurs and Chelsea but already it's very hard to see past Manchester City for next season well, I think I think Liverpool are there, uh, Nathan, in a big way. I think if they get Haaland, obviously it's 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 a recognised goal scorer. I mean, they've done remarkably well, City, to score the amount of goals they have without a recognised player of of Haaland's uh, calibre. Um, but um, you know, Liverpool, in many ways, are more solid than than City. Uh, City have surprised me with the recovery they've made from the Madrid match. I must be honest. I thought Liverpool might go on and win it. It's not over yet, but uh, City are definite favourites to, to win the title now. Liverpool's draw with Tottenham on Saturday night changed the dynamic completely. Uh, Jurgen Klopp in his press conference afterwards uh, was uh, quite critical of Tottenham and Antonio Conte and how he could never set up a side to play the way that Tottenham did with the quality of players they have having to sit back and block and protect and hold. Now he did roll back uh, I think the day afterwards. Would you go along with him in any way uh, looking at how Tottenham play? No. I thought his I thought his comments were outrageous, Nathan. You can't you can't tell other managers how to play if 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 the way the the best way to play to get results is what Spurs did. Mm. You can't do that. Well, you can. I mean, he did it and he criticised the manager. But I, I my take on it is that whatever other managers do, you can't criticise them at all. Spurs are there to get a result. Whatever way they're going to get it, they're going to get it. And do what they do what they have to do, mm. right? You can't. It, it's not right. I don't think for any manager to criticise an opponent, uh, opposite, opposite, opposite manager. Sorry, in in any way whatsoever, because the day will come where Liverpool will have to defend in the way that Spurs went. Because that's what that's that's what the game is about. It's all about results now. So what would he like Klopp for them to to come out and attack Liverpool uh, and give them a better opportunities to win? You know, managers do it their own way mm. and in that, what they consider to be the best way for their team. And the opposing manager has no say whatsoever in the way in which they want to play. And, and that's that, I think it was, he was just disappointed, as he does get Klopp, he's a great manager, when, when, when he didn't win the match that, was, that he expected to win and really wanted to win. But you cannot criticise opposition managers doing what they do. They're, they're doing best for their club and their team. As you say, it would suit Klopp and it would suit Liverpool if teams did come and attack them more and give space yeah. for the likes of Salah and Diaz to get in behind. Do you think in any way, was that part of his thinking, almost getting that message out there ahead of the game against Villa and ahead of the games against Southampton and Wolves that well, actually... It doesn't matter. I mean, if any of the opposition managers, I wouldn't care what he said. Mm. But, you know, and if, 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 if I could get a point from Liverpool, then I'd do, I do exactly what... Uh, uh, Spurs did. You have to do what's best to get the result on that particular day, and it's not your responsibility for how the other team wants you to play. <laughs> you know, 
tell him to clear off. None of his, none of his business what the, the opposition managers do, what they have to do to get the results. And what and do I you... think Conte was right to have a go back at him. But you say he did roll back the next day because it is an emotional game and, he, and they were desperate to get the results. And, it, and it's easy to say things like that after the match. And I said the next day he was sorry he said it. And what do you make of the way Conte is setting Spurs up then? Uh... Brilliant. Brilliant, Nathan. He's doing his job. Don't forget, you have to look at Spurs now to what they were when he took over. And they've got better and better and better. And he might get to the stage when, if, he, if and when he can get more signings and better players in, then he'll then he change it all together because yeah. that's the best way he can get his team to play. At the moment, with the state, stage that they're at, he, I think he's done a great job with them and will continue to do a big job. There he's winning a big match tonight. I think they were winning 3-0. When yeah, he still 3-0 up, uh, yeah. So, I mean, this, this, this club was a mess mm. before he took over Spurs. And he got, he's got them now as a team where they're playing, they're hard to beat at the moment. They've got a, obviously, they've got Kane, they've got Son, as a goal-scoring press, which they're doing. But I think he'll get better players in. And I think Spurs will get better and better. That's his job to do. And that's nothing to do with Klopp. Klopp has done a great job doing what, he, what he's had to do. He's had more time and he's had more money to do it. But he can't complain. No manager can complain about how the opposition approaches the game. And I think Conte has done a, a huge job at Spurs at this particular time. Yeah, we'll see if he uh, continues that job with all the speculation that seems to be constantly around his position. But at the moment, he's going to have Spurs back within a point of Arsenal with two games to go because Tottenham lead Arsenal 3-0. Two for Harry Kane, one for Youngman Sunders. Eight minutes left at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. We're going to take a quick break, John, and then we're going to be joined by your good friend, Eddie Graham. We're going to chat about that FA Cup final of 1972. Stay with us. The issues that we've had with Connor, he's an incredible player, but probably the way Munster were playing makes him look bad. The Red 78 with Alan Quinlan and Neil Briggs. Subscribe to the Rugby Channel on the OTB Sports app and turn on your notifications now. Now, it's FA Cup final day on Saturday evening. It is going to be Liverpool against Chelsea. But it also marks 50 years since Leeds United won the FA Cup for the one and only time in the club's history. The 1972 final saw them beat Arsenal by a goal to nil. Uh, the only goal was scored by Alan Clark seven minutes into the second half. And two men who played in that game are with us. John Giles is still on the line and his good friend Eddie Gray has been good enough to join us as well. Good evening, Eddie. Good evening. Uh, John's just been telling us you've had a good week of it. We've had a good week, yeah, with a few celebrations, celebrating that cup win, which was a famous victory for the club, you know, the first time they'd ever won the FA Cup, and still the only time we've ever won the FA Cup. When you go back, Eddie, and when you're at uh, meetups like that with John and the players of that era, what are the games you end up talking about? Or Maybe you don't end up talking about football at all, but are there games of your time together, and that group is so well-known and you spend so much time, are, are there certain games that really stand out more than any others? Well, obviously, when you win the FA Cup, and it was the first time the club won the FA Cup, we don't really get any details, a lot of details about individual games. But just about the time we had together and, you know, the way the players could play, the number of big matches we played in, you know, it all adds up to, you know, like at the particular time, a great period for Leeds United Football Club. And obviously, Johnny was a big part of that. And I played, I played in a lot of games as well. So it was a great time. And it's still great when you meet up and talk about these games. We don't get into details about the games. We just reminisce about certain things, you know, and it's, it's, it's nice to see the lads again. 
John, the FA Cup, we talk about it now, has not been as big as it once was. It was absolutely massive in the 60s and 70s. And reading about the game, Billy Bremner was quoted in advance saying he'd won a league title, he had won cups in Europe, he'd won any amount of caps in Scotland. But the one thing he wanted more than anything else was an FA Cup. Can you put into context for people who, who don't remember that time, in compared to leagues, European Cups, just how big an occasion an FA Cup final was? Well, yeah, well, the FA Cup final was like Grand National Day in, in the racing. It was once a year. It was on the television from 11 o'clock in the morning, going through the games. It was just like a national day. Uh, and the history of it was fantastic. And I think most players, to be honest, would, would rather win the cup than the league. And, and certainly a lot of the, their own supporters would, because the, the league could be won, as had to be won over 42 matches, as we know. But cup final day was cup final day. And it was a glamour day. It was, it was, it was huge. They had 100,000 at Wembley. And there wasn't much football on television in the early mm. days, Nathan. You know? So it was a big treat for people as well. But, but everything stopped. It was, it, it was a, a national day. And at that time in 1972, when we played there, that's what it was. And that's why it was so big. You know, like, like if you talk to football people, well, Eddie's great on football and on, 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 on the history of it. If you ask people who won the, the league in 1971 or two or, or before, most people wouldn't know. But most people who follow football would know who won the cup in 69, 70, 71, 72 and before. It was National Day and, and it, was, it was a glamour day, Nathan. That was a special FA Cup final as well, Eddie. It was the centenary FA Cup final. The Queen was in attendance. John talks there about the glamour. As a club and as a group, was it treated differently in terms of how you would prepare for the game? Would you get to stay in a better hotel the night before the match? Were the, the special cup suits? Was, were there more family oh, yeah. members brought? I mean, it's a one-off game then, the cup final. As John says, it was the most important single game in the whole calendar. And it was a game that everybody was looking forward to. You know, and I'll never forget, you know, like, when you go to Wembley, went to Wembley in those days, you're driving up Wembley Way and you see the Twin Towers. There's a great feeling of excitement. And you're looking forward to it so much. And thank goodness, you know, after the disappointments we had in a few cup finals, the club, we eventually won it when we beat the Arsenal. And it was a great day for everybody connected with the football club. Those couple of defeats, John, the defeat after extra time to Liverpool in 65 and then after a replay to Chelsea in those infamous games from 1970. (laughs) How much pressure was that on your shoulders heading into this cup final, that having lost to this group of players and the questions about finishing as runner-up in leagues, even though you'd won one of them as well, how much pressure did you feel going into that game to finally win one? Well, what, what happened, uh, Nathan, the, the, we lost the cup final in 1965 to the great Liverpool team. Mm. And we had, that was the first season we were promoted. You know, we finished up runners up in the league and runners up in the which was a fantastic uh, effort to do that, right? So that was in 65. When we played Arsenal in the cup, it was 1972. So all the players that played in the early cup, Paul Reaney and... Uh, um, Norman Hunter, these were all young fellas when we played against uh, uh, Liverpool in 65. You know, when we got to 72, the, all these lads were, were, were 
mature players at that stage. Eddie had come into the team. Peter Lorimer had come into the team. Alan Clark had come into the team. Mick Jones had come in. So it was a totally different team, so, Nathan, from the first one in 65. You know, there's a lot of new players and, 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 the, and the players who were in, uh, whether it be Billy Bremner, Norman Hunter, Paul Reaney, these were all mature players at that particular stage. So there was no feeling in the, in the team, we have to win this because we lost it in 1965. Certainly from the Chelsea match, that went extra time, as you know, and a replay. And that was just a huge, huge match. And Chelsea, Chelsea pipped us. But we were ready for the match in 1972 in a big way. And we were playing the national team that most people forget had won the double the previous year, Nathan. So they were a very, very, very mm. good team. Uh, and and we, we were, I think, 71-72, uh, I think we were at our peak at that particular stage. Eddie, Eddie as you know, is a good pal of mine, was, was fantastic. Uh, was a fantastic player. Peter Lormer coming into the team. Alan Clark had been bought, Mick Jones. So we were a totally different team from the early, early stages. The Leeds team then, uh, John, uh, Eddie, John, uh, during COVID, picked his all-time uh, Leeds eleven. Uh, you were in it, don't worry about that. Uh, but <laughs> it, it, 10 of them started that game. I'm fairly sure, John, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but Reaney, Madley, uh, Charlton, Hunter, Bremner, Larmer, Clark, Jones and Gray. And of course, you didn't pick yourself, uh, John, of the team. Uh, but in goals... Dave Harvey started in goals in that cup final. I'm watching back the match last night. They mentioned there was only half an hour beforehand that it was confirmed that Dave Harvey would start in goals, that Gary Sprake wasn't going to play, and Harvey hadn't played a huge amount that season. Uh, Eddie, was it a surprise to the players, or had you prepared in advance that Harvey would be the keeper? No, I don't think it was a surprise, actually. I mean, I think Don had made his mind up he was going to play Dave. I mean, Dave was a very reliable goalkeeper, different type of goalkeeper to Gary Dave was very steady didn't make many errors very confident in his own ability um, and then you know and it was you know it was proved that Don made the right decision I mean playing Dave and we felt comfortable with Dave playing behind us because you knew he was that reliable solid goalkeeper and I think John would agree with that you know you, you look and he's a very important player the goalkeeper you know and you know if you're playing in the cup final you know you get a few nerves but They've coped with it very well that day. I think what happened as well, Eddie, at, at that, that particular time, like, to be fair, Gary had a lot of chances. He made a lot of mistakes. But Dave actually played in the semi-final, Nathan. Yes. Right. He played in the semi-final. So he beat Birmingham in the semi-final. The day. Okay. Yeah, he, we, we, we didn't know, and Dave himself didn't know until we had a team talk uh, that, that, that Gary was left out. But he played in the semi and played a few matches yeah, then leading up to the final to play in the final. But Dave was a very, very competent, very competent goalkeeper. Gary at that stage, I think his nerves had, had gone. Uh, he was making quite a few mistakes mm. around, around, around that time, Nathan. So, so Dave was solid and did his job. Was that a talking point around the dressing room Eddie about Gary Sprague because I, I know it's come up many times John we talk about it about uh, the mistakes he was starting to make and Don Revy keeping faith with him maybe a little bit longer than he needed to I mean my opinion on Gary I mean I must be honest and say I think Gary was one of the best natural goalkeepers I've ever seen but once the media get heavily involved in games we run the television a little bit more Gary got a little bit nervous and he, he made a few errors you know, I think Don made the right decision, you know, when we played in that cup final. I mean, we had the cup final before, you know, when Chelsea and the replay, it was a game we should have won. 
Um, so I think, you know, I think it was always in Don's mind to bring Dave into the side at some stage. And he did it at the right time, I think, you know, looking at, looking back and, you know, the history of the two goalkeepers. And as John says, Dave was a very able goalkeeper. And, and as I mentioned earlier, not flash, just did his job and he did the job very, very well. Uh, John, I thought from talking to you through the years that uh, the centre-backs at Leeds were meant to leave the pretty stuff to yourself and Billy Bremner. Let you do the passing. I was watching Norman Hunter and geez, he constantly got in the ball and constantly looking to get on it and his ability to just shimmy pass at a uh, striker if he needed to and pick out a pass to yourself or Bremner or spray it out to the wings. Like I know you've never been one for can, you know, players of the past make it in the modern era because you know they would adapt in whatever way they had to. Like He played like a thoroughly modern centre half in that, in that match. Yeah, well, Norman Hunter was a great player. Uh, yeah. And he had this reputation of, Norman, bite your legs. Mm. You know, he could get stuck in. Of course he could. But, but uh, Norman, in my opinion, I think Eddie, Norman was a great player. And, and, and when he had to do things like that, he never would do them if, 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 if Eddie was there or I was there or Billy was there. Uh, actually, he used to give out all the time, uh, Norman, between Billy and myself. Uh, because... He used to say, you know, when he got the ball, if he gave it to me, Billy would be on to him. And if he gave it to Billy, I'd be on to him. You know, but I, but I used to say to Norm, Norm, you're very lucky. There's a lot of players play. When they get the ball in that position, they've nobody to give it to. <laughs> <laughs> but Norman, Norman could do whatever. Eddie would tell you. Eddie would tell you about Norman. Yeah, Norman, Norman Hunter was a great, Norman. great footballer. I mean, as John says, Norman had this reputation, bite your legs. But Norman was a terrific footballer, great passer of the ball, confident on the ball. But he knew, he knew he had players in front of him, though, like Johnny and Billy, that could create a lot better than he could. So as soon as he got the ball, that was the first thing Norman thought about. And that was one of his great strengths, I think. If he thought Johnny and Billy were on, he would knock it to him quickly. Mm. If he thought I was on, or Peter Lorimer, he would take that cross-field ball to Peter. That, that was, uh, you know, that was how he was such a great player. He did the right things at the right time, Norman. He, lo- he loved playing as well, Nathan. He loved football. Right. You know what I mean? And 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 and, and he used to say that. You know, uh, when I get the ball, uh, like I never, uh, he very seldom had a, a chance to use his ability because Billy or I were there, or, or, or Eddie was there. But when he had to do it, he could do it. Oh, I used to, uh, you, you two little. So and so, are coming back all the time. And I remember Don. Uh, I don't know if you remember Eddie. Uh, I think it was after one match. He might have given the ball away. You know, yeah. At that, which was very unlike him. And after the match, Don was on to give him and right telling off. And he says, Norman, you give the ball to the players that can play. <laughs> and Norman didn't like that because Norman. Couldn't no, play. he wouldn't like that. I'm surprised he, he never like got all, kicked on know? that day. <laughs> Eddie, when we talk about English centre-halves of that era, so often it's focused on Bobby Moore for what he did with England yeah, and at the World yeah. Cup. And I think John's often said that you know Bobby Moore was maybe the ultimate big game player, that when it came to yeah, a World Cup final, yeah. but that actually week in, week out in English football for that era, Norman Hunter was the best centre-half. Well, you know, you know I, I agree with that. I mean, as a club player, uh, Norman Hunter, I think, was the best club player. The best club player... Uh, than Bobby Moore but Bobby Moore is an outstanding international player but we're forgetting about Big Jack I mean there was a period of time I think that Big Jack was the best centre-half in the world right for about four seasons Big Jack was some centre-half 
you know. Uh, I, I just thought it was terrific. And the two of them together, a formidable partnership, Charlton and Hunter. And what was it, Eddie, that made Big Jack the best centre-half in the world for four years? I just think, I just think Jack was quick. He was great in the air. Uh, and, and it was deceptively quick, Jack, you know. He's this big, long stride, and people wouldn't get away from him. When Jack was on, on song, he was formidable. I think John would agree with that. Yeah, I, I, I thought he was the best centre-half about four or five years. I agree with Eddie there. Yeah. And the Norman Hunter uh, 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 situation uh, with Bobby Moore... I always said, week in and week out, I take Norman. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> for the big for the big matches, I'd go for Bobby Moore. Yeah. But yeah. then again, you see, Bobby Moore played for West Ham, and Bobby Moore, they were never going to win anything, but they won the cup one year. So yeah. Bobby was very, very, in my opinion, in many ways, lackadaisical towards it. Whereas Norman was wholehearted for every match, every every training session. Norman was in, doing it, doing it, doing it. So week in and week out, I take Norman. It was the big match at Wembley. I go for Bobby Moore. Uh, John, I agree with you wholeheartedly. I mean, I think Norman is probably one of the best club defenders I've ever seen at club level, week in, week out. But when Bobby Moore walked out with that ball in his hand for England, he was outstanding, John. The, that Arsenal team that you beat in the 1972 Cup final had just won the double. It had Frank McClintock captaining the side at centre-back. Peter Storey was in midfield. They signed Alan Ball. Uh, Charlie George was there. John Radford. George Graham was a part of that Leeds team. Uh, Charlie George is obviously someone that grabs the attention when you watch that sort of game back, John. Uh, he hit the crossbar at one stage uh, with a brilliant volley. He's a player who, when you think of that era, is seen as one of the real flair players. When you talk about that week in, week out, what what was Charlie George like as a footballer? Um, I wasn't a big fan, uh, Nathan. <laughs> he had a lot of a lot of ability, uh, but you couldn't depend on him week in and week right. out. Uh, he, he was he could do he could do a lot of good things. But, he, but he, let's put it he wouldn't have got anywhere near our team right didn't have the consistency no, no it's funny you, said, you, well. you talk about the, the Arsenal and, and, and they were a top side but for about 1965 to 1975 I was telling John this I don't know if he remembers we played Arsenal about 23 times and they only beat us twice I think right you know, and they were a great team I mean, if you look through the records, I was playing against the Arsenal. We usually came out and talk. We did it in the League Cup final. We did it in the FA Cup final. And normally we did it in league games as well. I think John would agree with that. Yeah, I think we beat them 10 times on the bounce, Eddie. In, in, yeah. In, in, in the, well, it was one in of those years, teams. Yeah. yeah. The celebrations then and the final whistle going and that historic moment where Leeds finally win that FA Cup. Are there standout memories, Eddie, of being on the pitch or walking up the steps or in the dressing room afterwards? What, what do you remember of the well, aftermath? Well, and, well, we didn't get much time to celebrate in the dressing room because we were still up to Wolverhampton to play them on the Monday night, which was a bit off, you know. But what I remember is, is actually walking up the steps and thinking, yeah, you're going to get an FA Cup winner's medal. And for, you know, growing up in Glasgow, you know, when I grew up in Glasgow, a bit John growing up in Ireland, I mean, the big game you watched every year was mm. the FA Cup final. I mean, I used to love watching the FA Cup final, and it was always on the box. So to finally realise an ambition to play, you know, and win an FA Cup, 
uh, you know, it, it felt terrific. And I'm sure all my teammates felt exactly the same. And Johnny had already won it, though, you know. That's the difference. Johnny had done it with Manchester United in 1963, you know, when Manchester United won it. But, you know, for me, it was just a great occasion, especially after, you know, losing the Chelsea Cup final. And I know the club lost it 65 to Liverpool. So it, it was a great feeling. And you touch on the trip to Wolverhampton. That that was the madness that must even 50 years on be a frustration that, you know, we talk about Arsenal winning the double in 71, Spurs winning it in 61, that that probably should have been a lead side that also won a double only for the way the fixture list ended up. Well, if, if, if we had played the game on the Wednesday night instead of the Monday night, I'm sure we would have won the game. We just never had a lot of time to recover and a few players had knocks and but you're still getting into the game. Uh, you know, thinking you can win the game, but it wasn't to be. But I think fatigue played a big part in that game on the Monday night. It was it was, it was outrageous, really. Uh, it uh, was, John. Uh, uh, Nathan, because uh, what people we were going for the league and the cup, as you know. Yeah. But the previous week to the cup, we actually when we played Wolverhampton, that was our fourth match in eight days. Right. Before the cup final, we played on the Saturday, on the Monday. Then with the cup final on Saturday, and then Wolverhampton on the Monday. And why didn't they just play the game against Wolves on the following Wednesday or Thursday? Well, Alf Ramsey, there was an England international match coming up, Nathan. And I think him and Don didn't get on. And it was actually the the, the FA and Alf Ramsey who said, uh, uh, if you want to play on the Wednesday, you'll play without the England players. So there's about four or five England players in the squad. So he, there was no, there was no, there was no let off. We had to play with those players on the Monday because he said I want the English players in the hotel. I don't know where they were by twelve o'clock on on the Monday. Wow! And that I mean, ends we, up costing we, you double. John's right. You know, we actually played. You know, we played in May the first, May the sixth, and May the eighth, and all big games. You yeah. know, uh, and that ended up with a Wolverhampton game, the last game in the. That series, but you know, teams wouldn't be asked to do that now, you know. So, did <laughs> you just too many games for us at the end of the season? Did you get the open top bus parade through Leeds ever? Yeah, we had the, we had the bus talk through Leeds, you know. Um, I can't even remember much about it, but it was <laughs> well, we've done it, yeah. Yeah, it happened. We got a big, we got a big crowd out for that. I think it was we did, John. The, 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 oh, John, we did. I mean, yeah. we, in fact, we were looking at photograph it the other day. And uh, trying to pick the players out who were on the, the bus top and looking for certain players. It was, uh, you know, it was, it was a great occasion. Now, yeah, I mean, uh, the Leeds crowd came out, Nathan. You know, I'm sure they did. You know, because it was, it was. They, they realised how difficult it was uh, to to do what we were trying to do on the double at, at that particular time. But they still remembered. I mean, they still had the memory of winning the FA Cup as well. You know. Yeah, uh, lads, it's been. Brilliant to talk to you, uh, Eddie. Thanks a lot for joining us. Thank um, you very much, John. As always, I don't know if we'll give you the call next year, John, for the Sunderland 50th anniversary. Oh, I don't talk about that. He, he won't be answering the phone that day. I suspect. I didn't. I didn't hear that, Nathan. <laughs> <laughs> okay, lads, thank you very much. Nathan. Thanks a million, lads. Yeah. Hopefully, you plenty more reunions coming up. Uh, we'll talk to you soon, uh, John Giles and Eddie Gray. There, 50 years since Leeds United won the FA Cup. 